Welcome back, everyone, to another Slab Stocks YouTube Live here on Monday. We are live 30 minutes early today. Normally, we go live at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Mondays all the time, but we are live 30 minutes early because there was some huge hobby news today we just wanted to briefly talk about before going live, and there were quite a bit of questions today. So if you're new here, we just run through a bunch of different questions our audience asks, talk about the different sports cards and values and whatnot, and give our perspectives on it, our opinions, of course. It's not always the right answer, but you know, just what we think from our years of experience in the hobby and collecting cards and having a fun time here. So Nate, thank you so much for joining for another show today. Yeah, always a blast. Always look forward to Mondays. Uh, always good comment sections and always good questions we get asked throughout the week. I had like 40, 50 questions this week. Yeah, a ton. So many questions. Of course, we couldn't get them all into this show. Otherwise, we'd be sitting here all night. But there is quite a bit. And if you are looking to ask a question for next week's show, hop into the caption of this video. There's a link that goes straight to the question form for next week's video. And you can submit a question there. And hopefully, we can answer it. Um, if you didn't get your question answered this week, try to resubmit it. Maybe we'll pick it for next week. Just a lot to go through. And uh, we pick some. We think some really good ones for this week. So we're pretty excited. But to start it off, and what's up, guys? I see all y'all saying, hey, how's it going? Uh, we really appreciate you guys joining here because we got a lot to talk about today. And the first big news, of course, was posted on Instagram by us this morning. And PSA, really, it's Collector's Universe. CLCT is the stock sign. It was sold today in a private sale to Nat Turner. If you don't know who Nat Turner is, he's a longtime collector in sports cards. He's got an insane collection. If you go over to Instagram, you can check it out. Nat Turner Sports Cards or something it is. You'll find it if you type it in. And uh, he and a group of investors purchased PSA, which is actually Collectors Universe, is the parent company. PSA is part of that holding company. Uh, purchased them, and now it's going to be coming off the New York Stock Exchange, which is pretty crazy. $700 million was the number. We have a lot to dissect about that. Um, I'm not going to do it all in this live stream. I just know that this is the one I would say it's actually the biggest news of 2020 for sports cards to me. And there's a lot of different reasons why, but I'm saving that for tomorrow's YouTube video on Tuesday because I've done a lot of research, a lot of digging into Nat Turner, the investment group, um, different things about the sale, what it means for the cards and everything and your PSA submissions and possible, you know, new innovations and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, and Nat Turner obviously is not just a sports card collector. I should say he's done an insane amount of investments in different companies, building different businesses, different tech firms. I know he uh, sold one of his healthcare tech firms for like $2 billion. So uh, he's only 34, by the way, if you didn't know. Cool. So there is uh, a lot that has gone on today, and it's 4.32 p.m., but uh, well, central, central time, but we will be covering – a lot of this um, tomorrow. And yes, I see you know a couple of y'all saying that normally it starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And that is true, but we did go live 30 minutes early just because there was a high volume of questions today. We, won't, we wanted to make sure we had enough time to uh, get through you know what was asked. So hey, big Aaron, news that, yeah, go Aaron, ahead. A little bit of a side note, fun fact. I looked up Nat Turner on Google just to see who he was. And the first person that came up was a slave who led a rebellion in South Carolina in the you know, I, I I did see that say too, actually. You got to type in Nat, Nat Turner, uh, entrepreneur, uh, Nat Turner sports cards to find out more about him. But check out tomorrow's YouTube video that I'll be doing. I'll be going through a bunch of different details, different comments that were on our Instagram post today. This post went crazy today on Instagram, over 100 some comments, and it got shared uh, hundreds upon hundreds of times. And it's some really huge news and definitely the biggest of 2020 for sports cards, which is crazy to think because of how much has went on in sports cards this year to think that something else could come and top that. Uh, it's really wild. I was not expecting this at all to be announced. And I did think that Nat Turner was going to help lead some initiatives there. I think I heard some of that a while back 
of uh, you know pointing them in some directions, but obviously it's way more than that. So this is really huge, really important, very, very important. So I wanna make sure I take the time to do enough research to cover this thing tomorrow in a video and to discuss it with y'all. And obviously we have a ton of questions to cover today that actually you guys really wanna hear about, which is about sports card questions that you as collectors are asking. And that's what we're here for today. But uh, before doing that, I actually did have one more thing, one more thing to share. So today also was a big day because Rally, if you don't know Rally Road, um, the Rally app, they do fractional investing into different collectibles, into shoes, into different sports cars, like the actual cars. That's how they started. And then they also do like books and wine and just an insane amount of stuff. But today they IPO'd initial public offering for a LeBron James 2003 Topps Chrome Refractor BGS 10 valued at $100,000. And it got fully invested, I think, in 28 minutes. Uh, 5,000 shares split up between, I think it was right around 300 investors at $20 a share. So it was around an average of 16 shares per person that bought in. But that sold today. And I think that this is just the start of this fractional share investing in these huge cards. So many people can't get their hands on a LeBron Topps Chrome Rookie Refractor or other cards like that, other collectibles. I really do see this as a way for people to get into them. And then also, if someone comes in and buys that investment from Rally, um, and then the shareholders can either agree to the sale price or not. And it has to do with you know a board reviewing that and stuff. It's not just a majority rule, I'm pretty sure, from those investors. It either sells or it doesn't. It has different trading windows, which with Pokemon 1, which is the first edition complete set PSA 10, that's going back up for trading tomorrow. A little recap on this, if you haven't heard. So it IPO'd in June for $25 a share, valued $125,000. I personally actually got in with two shares at $25 a share. A trading window opened about a month ago and it went up to $50 a share. There were some people that were selling insanely high volume of shares of this set. So it really capped the value of it. It only was valued at 250K. And that's after the Charizard alone sold for 220K to Logic. So I really thought that that capped it. There was like hundreds upon hundreds of shares. They're sold by a few individuals that really capped the value. And then it's going, and then it actually got a buyout offer of like around $475,000 is valuing it around $85 a share post taxes. And that got denied by investors. I personally voted no, because I do think that this set's going to be huge for years to come. And tomorrow, another trading window opens at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. And people will have the opportunity to put in buys for the different share amounts and also ask where to people can go and put in a sale orders. And I'm not going to be one of those people because I do really value this set long term and want to hold it. But just another thing going on with Rally. And no, this is not an ad if you're wondering. I just think that this concept's insanely cool. And I follow it a lot and I really, really enjoy following it. I just think it's really awesome. All right. Jumping in to the questions. First one, I saw this question was asked actually last week in the live stream chat. And if you guys are new here, please comment in the live stream as we're doing this to help each other out, get some discussion going. It really helps us maximize our time by having you all help each other with different questions as well. I mean, also thank you all for joining and please hit that like button too, if you are able to, because that helps us get this video out to more people. But the first question, if a card is numbered to 399 and you're holding number 79, number 132, number 357, numbered out of 399, and they're all the same grade, is there any reason to value one card more than another? And my easy answer is no. Uh, there's no reason to value any more than another. The only reason or really only time this might apply is if there's a card that's numbered from the jer from the player's jersey number numbered out of the amount made. So here you see the LeBron from Hoops 2018 is numbered 23 out of 49. Some collectors really, really, you know, appreciate the 
jersey numbered aspect of cards. I myself could care less. I don't really care if my Giannis is number 34 out of something. It's a little, I guess it's kind of cool, but it's not like I go and pay a huge premium for it. And all the other ones in my mind don't matter at all. To me, it's just you got the card or you don't have the card. Nate, any thoughts on that? I've I've never been one to care what the number is. You know, I don't care if the Ryan Braun card I want is numbered eight out of something. As yeah. long as I have it in my possession. And I don't want to pay a premium for it either, just yeah. because the number is number eight, when 90% of people buying the card probably wouldn't care. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. And normally it applies to like really <clears throat> high-end players, your LeBron, your Giannis, your Trout. You know, if it's Ryan Braun, not so many people are going to care. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> not Don't so many people. high-end players and then say if it's Ryan Braun. That is the highest event player right there. No, it's not. Ryan no, Braun not. is, for my money, the greatest hitter to ever walk the face of the earth. Hands down. As you have a Christian Yelich picture in the background with an MVP sign. Second greatest hitter to walk the face of the earth. <laughs> there you go. Like that. Uh What's up, Dwayne? How's it going? What's up, Pete? Thank you for joining. Really appreciate it. And also, if you're looking for more info on Nat Turner, yes, you can just do some Googling and there's some info out there. All right. Next question is from Pete. Pete's Junk Treasure. Thanks for asking this question. I see you just got in here. Would you rather have a card that is not so well centered with perfect corners and sides or a card that is perfectly centered with minor corner or side damage? So I know if you're watching this on the screen, it might be kind of hard to tell, but the Luca Silver PSA 9 on the far right that one is very badly off-center. Uh, the dots on the left are so far shifted to the right. It's got a really thick left border over there. The Luca Silver Prism Rookie PSA 9 on the right, I mean on the left, is better centered. I'm assuming that there's some corner damage on the back because this one is centered as if it could be a PSA 10. The one on the right is really poor. If it's me, I'm always going to pick the PSA 9 or even if it's a PSA 10 that has the better centering and maybe a little corner ding on the back. That's why I'd rather have. Nate, I don't know if you have a differing opinion. I don't know if there's exactly going to be a like overall overarching opinion here. I know some people like it some way. Some people like it another way. It is pretty uh, subjective. But if it's me, I'm picking one that doesn't look terribly off-center. I'm going to go with the one on the left. I know it, uh, it's kind of hard to tell on this Luca, but it's the best example I've thought of in the moment. For me, it would depend on where the corner damage is. If it's on the back, I'm showcasing the front of the card, right? But yeah. if, a, if there's a white corner on the front of a card, I don't know. I feel like my eyes gravitate towards that more than it does to the centering. But I'm just a novice kind of grader anyways. Well, so. here's the other thing. Nate, obviously, super into baseball cards. I, myself, super into basketball cards. I know that our paths cross with the sports as well in different sports. But if you think about, like, Top's flagship for the last couple of years, they really haven't have had borders on it so you can barely even tell if it's off-centered unless you really compare two different cards so if it's tops update from 2018 and we're talking around the cunha i'd way rather have an off-center cunha that doesn't have like a ding on the front than mm -hmm. one that maybe has you know perfect centering but no dings on it so i can see where you're coming from there too what's yeah, up card hour thanks for joining specifically thinking about all the like keston heroes i have where you know most of the time you can't tell if the centering's off because it's like a little fraction of the bat that moves up or down out of the picture, right? Uh, yeah. But you can tell that there's a bad edge or a bad corner on the front because it's easily seen. Yeah, especially with like the Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, no number short print from 2019 Series 2. That one as well, the top right corners. I remember every single like front top right corner was pretty much dinged on the ones you pulled. Uh, that's it. Uh, I pulled six of them. 
Six of them, not a single <laughs> one was gradable. I remember, I remember that very well. <laughs> All right, moving on from Goonie. 1996, Kobe tops Chrome PSA 9 or base PSA 10. Pops are similar. Chrome is like six to $800 more and a cooler card, but most copies have the dreaded greening. So yes, we are looking on the left here at the paper tops Kobe 1996 rookie PSA 10 for $2,550. And then we are looking at the tops Chrome PSA 9 1996 rookie of Kobe for $3,550 or $2,850. So the differences here is that the top one on the right side of the screen has got no greening on it. And if you don't know, if you don't know what I mean, just go look up Topps Chrome Kobe rookie PSA 9 or 10 or whatever, and you'll see a lot of them. Kobe's kind of looking like the Hulk. Like the one on the bottom there for 2850, that one has got some minor greening on it. I'd say probably average greening on it. And it doesn't really look good. Like it's not like, yes, it's still the same card, but it really doesn't like look good to the eye. And the reason that the PSA 9 on top is so valuable because it has those crisp colors. If we're choosing between Spending $1,000 extra on the PSA 9 with good coloring versus the base PSA 10, I would probably go with the good colored PSA 9. I'd probably skip the greening one and go with the PSA 10 if it does come down to choosing between the paper PSA 10 or the greening PSA 9. And for the pop reports, if we're looking here, there's 2,590 PSA 10s of the base paper uh, Kobe rookie out of a total of like 14,000 graded 14,500 or so. So that's a ton graded. There's many more paper Kobe rookies out there versus the Chrome rookies, but there is more PSA nines and PSA tens for the, if you're comparing the Chrome versus PSA 10 for the paper, but obviously there's way more PSA nines for the paper than the Chrome. Um, I don't know if the pop reports, if we're going to be able to pull a whole lot off of that, like, yes, the Chrome's more rare than the paper, but the greening really is a huge ding on the you know, the scale for people, I think that are going with, with the Kobe rookie, you know, I think that just, that's what I'd say is I go with the paper PSA 10 over the greening PSA nine, but I'd ra way rather have a perfect colored uh, PSA nine tops Chrome for sure. And also Brian, yes, there is a 50th anniversary foil rookie of Kobe and the last PSA 10 sold for like nine grand of that one. And well, they look really PSA cool. Nine, so, well, he said PS. I think he's choosing PSA nine tops Chrome between these oh. two. But I think he's just. I think he's just bringing it up that it is a card, yeah. and it um, is more rare. It is a tops paper more rare. T two o six guy says, do we have to worry about that with Luca and Trey? And I will expand on that. Do we also have to worry about that with like Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis? What are you talking but, about? Uh, tops tops Chrome cards. Is oh, it the greening? The era of top, yeah. top chrome cards that green or is it just how it's made i mean i know you don't know how it's, like how it's made but yeah no i think from my experience the 1996 tops chrome set was the first tops chrome basketball set ever so mm -hmm. i think that's an automatic effect there is that like they just came out with it it wasn't manufactured perfectly they probably didn't have the perfect manufacturing recipe or whatever you want to call it i think as time went on they definitely found out how to tweak it and make it so that this doesn't happen to it and i mean i think we would be seeing a lot of greening 2003 tops chrome lebron rookies already because oh, like we would have like we would have known that there's greening on these kobe's five six years ago i think we already would have seen that now on the lebrons but so that's not happening pretty sure they switched the technology i would not be worried about that if i were you good because my storage sometimes of my cards is uh, less than stellar so <laughs> all right next one nate this is all you all right so two questions here same guy jeff in jersey do you think he's in a jersey or do you think he's in new jersey i think it's in new jersey okay 
Uh, I'm just messing around. I'm just, I know. <laughs> should I submit a card for grading with a very light surface scratch, one that took two to three examinations of the card to notice when all other elements, corners, edges, and centers appear to be mint? I'm going to go with no, Aaron. Would you agree? Um, I would say it depends on the card. <laughs> I think that's always just kind of how it goes with this type of stuff. If it's a card that's valuable as a PSA 9, then for sure. If it's a card that is like a tops update paper rookie, then probably not because you're not going to make, or even like a series two Eloy. We always kind of use that example because it's really easy to know the values on those. Um, the PSA nines barely sell for anything and you're, you're going to hurt yourself if you try to grade it, if it has that problem. But if it's a, you know, Kobe <laughs> rookie from 1996, then for sure grade it. Yep. It just kind of depends on how much it costs to grade, how much is valued after grading. I would say now a lot of these modern basketball cards are being worth graded to get PSA 9s. I mean, there's huge differences now between Raw and PSA 9 because so many people are buying up the non-graded base rookies, silver rookies to get those 9s and 10s. I would I would definitely grade it if it's a card like that. Uh, Dwayne brings up a, a uh, uh, fair point. If it's a big card, short print, super short printed, uh, still get it graded just to get it in the case. I think a lot of people avoid getting it scratched more in the future. Yeah, and I think a lot of people just like increase buying confidence when buying a PSA grade card. Like you will yeah. have more an easier time selling a PSA nine versus a non. I'd rather card. buy a PSA nine than a non graded right now, especially of a card that's a couple of years old, because I'm fairly confident that they've all been picked over. Yeah, I mean, Nate and I have talked about this a lot, and I know sometimes on live, like imagine all the cards now. Like I, I guess I should say I couldn't imagine spending a high dollar amount on a non graded card. Like pulling the trigger on like a five hundred to fifteen hundred dollar non graded card, that's so risky. Speaking so, of which, I saw a Juan Soto Bowman Chrome Auto PSA six sell for almost eight hundred dollars the other day. See, people just want the card sometimes. Like it doesn't matter if it's a low grade, it's still gonna go for high dollars amounts because it's Isn't hard to get into now. Yeah, that is really um, wild. Anyways, the more important question on here is usually it's agreed upon that the only rookie cards that only rookie cards matter. However, should I be grading any card any year from an all-time top ten or better player such as Mike Trout? One, I would say that not always is it just rookie cards. We've seen you know Luka Doncic second years and LeBron second years and LeBron fourth years and LeBron, you know whatever LeBron, and then uh, you look at um, Patrick Mahomes second year cards and you know guys that are looking like all-time greats and the prices are good, so you should grade those. As for Mike Trout specifically, I've got a couple different. Uh, examples here and so you have the prime example the tops update uh mike trout and it's two thousand four hundred dollars psa 10 um and then we have a couple different uh, examples of other cards that normally wouldn't be expected to fetch a lot of money but in some cases they do so in 2012 there's a tops mike trout rookie psa 10 is like a hundred dollars not rookie update all-star game no 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 the the top or the sorry the second year tops non all star game card mm. PSA ten is like a hundred hundred and ten dollars, okay. but it has like three guys on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Mike Trout tops update all star game non rookie second year is significantly more expensive. Right here is a hundred seventy five dollar example, um, and so usually people don't really like all star game cards all that much. Uh, they don't fetch a high price. And I would have expected the all-star game card to fetch a lower price than his normal card. But I think because it's just him in the picture, it helps the price. Definitely. I could be wrong. So Definitely. here's an example of a card where normally I'd be like, nah, don't get that graded. But because second year and because it's only him compared to his other card, yeah, you'd want to get that graded, right? 
But then you go here, 2019 tops Mike Trout, and that's a $30 card. Um, which is that's just the base? That's just yeah, the base, right? Which isn't that bad. All <laughs> no. things considered, Concerned uh, if, a it of? You, if it costs you $17 to grade um, nowadays and you you sell it, you take $3 off for uh, eBay fees and whatchamacallit, you still make like seven bucks <laughs> yeah it's mar it's marginal but it's not, still not great not great but still good but yeah. then so i wouldn't suggest grading that that's just a lot of hassle for a limited amount of returns but then you have the same card but tops chrome sapphire and that's a 230 dollar card so really it just depends on it just depends on the card right same year same look but tops chrome sapphire makes it you know 10 times as expensive I agree. I think there's just a lot of outlets to to grade. Not even like I think that it was always like rookie cards only buy, sell, grade type of thing. But I think just with the more people in the market say, the more people trying to collect things for cheaper values than the rookie cards now, it's just has expanded the market's reach a lot more. And something like this with Mike Trout definitely plays into effect. Yeah. I want to hop well, into the live chat well, quick well, unless be, you're done. It wouldn't be every Mike Trout for every year. But there are yeah. certain, I guess my point is there are certain Mike Trouts that are definitely worthwhile. Yeah, and you promotion. can't just grade, you can't just like grade any old Luka Doncic second year cards. You know, it's got to be some decent brand. It can't just be like a prison yeah, draft pick base card. You're probably not going to grade a, a contender's draft picks card or something. Yeah. All right. I want to hop into the chat. Daniel Morales brings up a good oh, question here. No. What? Will Ooh, Fuller. Will just Fuller. Suspended for six games. After Yikes. he just dominated last uh, against the uh, Lions, because it's because they went and drug tested him because he uh, had a huge game. <laughs> Glad the Packers didn't trade for him. Yeah, same. All right, Daniel Morales. By that logic, would you not submit? And this is talking about a question from before this, or actually part one of this question. By that logic, would you not submit raw cards older older than a year ago? For instance, just buy a PSA nine Trey Silver instead of paying a bit less for a Trey Silver raw to grade. So I would say. Yes, you can submit cards older than a year ago, but I'd say it's a bigger risk to buy non-graded cards older than a year ago to try to grade because there's a chance you're buying sevens, eights, and whatnot. Um, if it were me, I'd just rather put the safer money into that PSA 9. Unless you're buying a show or you can see exactly what you're getting into, um, you know, there's a lot of factors there. It's so hard sometimes to tell on eBay, and so many people are just trying to dump their non-graded cards that they can't grade. That's a huge risk in my mind, and that PSA 9 is just so much more valuable and so much more safe. And it's worth your money, especially if it's that much money. That's really where it comes into play. If we're talking like ten to fifteen dollar cards that you can buy and grade and make like thirty bucks on a PSA nine, then for sure try it. But you know, like for that big of an expense, that's where I try to start to think about that. And for those of you that are new here, we are spending time answering questions from our followers and our audience between YouTube, Instagram, all these different places that have came with great questions. So please uh, stay here, enjoy it, and uh, you know, talk in the chat with everyone else. It's uh, very, very exciting to see you guys interacting with each other and we appreciate you guys being here so please hit that like button too helps us out immensely and subscribe as well moving on here to the next question we have another one from nate oh that's me uh quick we're gonna jump in the chat here real quick aaron are you wearing airpods uh yes he oh is that supposed to be pros i don't know are I you wearing airpod pros the new no, one? they're just there's normal AirPods. Oh, I was gonna make fun of you for being preppy, and I was gonna say everyone make fun of him for being preppy and wearing <laughs> AirPods, but I imagine a lot of people in this chat also wear AirPods. So yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, classic. Uh yes, I am wearing AirPods. It helps to hear Nate without trying to get 
you know, back uh, background noise from Nate talking. But no, I, they are not pros. They're just the normal ones. And now we've spent too much time talking yes, about AirPods. Yes, we have. All right. <laughs> Who is the best long-term buyout of guys like Luis Robert, Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis Jr.? Also, what do you think about buying older future Hall of Fame cards like Jeter rookies compared to a guy like Tatis in terms of return of investment? So this is from Top Shelf Slabs. I have various prices here. I took the Bowman Chrome uh, Autos PSA 10s. I know it doesn't say it on the description, but here you go. 4600 for the Soto, 3000 about for the Fernando. And I didn't actually have that link that you gave me to be able to check the prices. But I do know that it's under $2,000 for the Luis Robert Scrub. at the very Scrub. least. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to start with that. And um, for me, Luis Robert is the big wild card. I don't. He does not have the upside of Juan Soto or Fernando Tatis whatsoever. Um, Tatis because of positional versatility. Soto because he's probably like a top three bat in the MLB currently. And if he hits like he did last year, he's a top one bat in the MLB currently. Um, and I don't think anybody's knocking him off that throne anytime soon. Luis Robert just does not have that type of skill in his repertoire to be Juan Soto uh, at all. Might have the big home runs, but nothing else. Um, so while I like Luis Robert, he is by far, by far third place in this. I don't even consider him even close to the same tier as these other two guys. He's like three tiers down. Now for the other two guys, uh, return on investment here. I love both of them. I question how much higher a Juan Soto PSA 10 can go when it's already like $5,000. It's so expensive. I can't believe how expensive they are. Um, can't I know he's it. really good, and I expect him to continue to hit really well, and I expect him to break you know, lots of records and be the Nationals' all-time leader in a bunch of things if he doesn't leave. Um, that being said, he's still one-dimensional. He's average at best outfielder. Uh, that doesn't add anything on the bases, whereas Fernando Tatis is flashy. He does it all. He's got an Instagram presence, all that stuff. Um, for my money, I'm going Fernando Tatis. Nate, if you're considering like – so I can pretty much tell you the reason why these cards are so expensive and any of those people watching is because of the Mike Trout. You know, People can see what they can possibly get. Not, now, they're not going to. You know, Obviously, these guys aren't going to be Mike Trout. So hard to be, and I think you'd probably say Tatis has a better chance to be because of – so many different tools that he can do on the field. I like versus Soto. Yeah. And I like Tatisa's chances of being able to hit 5,000 himself instead of Soto being able to go up to, you know, 7,000. Yeah. So I think so many people are just trying to clamor that, like, what can I get close to Trout with? Because, you know, Trout 9.5 base autos were trading over what, 20K, 30K at one point. So uh, definitely people are buying because of that. But I, I don't know, man. I mean, these dudes have got to do a lot to keep these prices up. Not to say they can't, but they're they're so expensive. And uh, I think the Bowman Chrome market is just such a big dollar market when it comes to like the people who are involved. They're a much smaller amount than the basketball card market, but the money per card is just so much higher when it comes to those big name players because there's so few. Like there's so few auto gems of Soto and Tatis. They just command such high prices. Yep. But it'll be yeah, interesting man. to track. You think about buying – what do you think about buying older future Hall of Fame cards like Jeter rookies compared to a guy like Tatis in terms of return on investment? So here we've got the SP foil, the iconic – one of the like most iconic Derek Jeter cards, right? PSA 9 because they didn't have a PSA 10 on eBay. And you're looking at you know $7,500 uh, a day ago, 
which is an, just an absurd amount of money. Um, Aaron, I don't really have too many thoughts on this besides the fact that I feel like there's an easier path to buying uh, two and a half Fernando Tatises and making more money than you would on one Derek Jeter. I mean, think uh, about it. There's in, just, there's just in more, the short more ways. Term, in the short term. I think yeah. in the long term, Derek Jeter is significantly more safe, obviously, because he's already a Hall of Famer. He already has 3,000 hits. He's already the face of the Yankees um, for this generation and last generation. So, Well, the other thing is just thinking about the amount of times that Tatis can make headlines versus Jeter. Jeter's going to have to uh, do some really good things over with the Marlins to make some headlines at least. But, of course, people don't necessarily buy in headlines when it comes to Hall of Fame blue chip investments because it's not like the Hank Aaron's making any headlines right now. But people are still yeah. buying up his cards. So there's a lot of opportunity, I think, with you know, however you play it. But I think that Dwayne had a good comment here, just really quick. I know we gotta jump onto some different topics. But Nate, would you guys be selling would you be selling these two cards if you got in at a good price? The Tatis and the Soto. If you bought that Tatis for eight hundred thousand dollars and that Soto for fifteen hundred dollars, would you sell them right now and put it somewhere else? Yes. Or are you conf- you are? Yes. I love both of them so much. And yet those are such high prices for a base Bowman Chrome auto um, that I find it a lot easier. If Juan Soto comes out and he only hits 290 next year with 31 home runs and a you know a 370 on base and a 510 slugging, that's probably a disappointment. You know, <laughs> he doesn't like your answer. <laughs> he wants to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I, I love him. I just, I just. I feel like there's areas where you can get a higher return on investment than holding on to a card that's almost $5,000 already, despite loving Juan Soto. If you're going to hold on to it, I'm not holding on to it to sell two years from now, right? I'm not holding on to it to sell three years from now. I'm holding on to sell it in 10 years. Yeah, makes sense. All right. With the basketball market exploding once again, I'm starting to notice slight rises in other markets as well in baseball, football, soccer. Is it safe to say that since basketball is such a big portion of the hobby that can dictate whether the card market is a bear or bull market just from how basketball is performing? For example, basketball starts to tank. Other sports cards will follow suit shortly after and vice versa for price increases. Um, I think that it's interesting because we have seen when football went crazy, when basketball is starting to dip a little bit. And I think that was almost correlated a little bit some of the people that were you know trying to get into basketball and lower values earlier in the summer were kind of doing the same thing with football before the season started football just isn't sustainable at all and we've talked about this a ton last week's live and that's why that market crashed because so many people went tried to buy especially wide receivers and running backs terrible idea terrible idea but and those that did it and bought in at the seriously high values definitely learned the hard way so i really hope that you know know for next year not to do that but uh I almost want to say yes and no. I think that like just the basketball, I think, is the indicator. I don't necessarily know if it's going to pull up other markets. If basketball rises, does it mean that Soto is going to get more money put into him and Cunha and stuff? I just think it's an indicator that people are in the hobby and buying a ton of cards. And that just kind of works its way on other sports, too. Um, I don't don't know exactly. It's so hard to just say, like, yes, it, it pulls it up. It pulls it down but I think that is the number one market indicator. And it's hard because the season this year was so different with the suspension, the season ending in late October or early October, whatever. And now the season's beginning in December. It's not a normal seasonal trend with different sports occurring and stuff. But in general, I'd say, yeah, pretty much indicates how the market's doing. Is it 
you know, doing really well? Is it not doing very well? And yes, there's exceptions where football goes crazy before it starts and whatnot, but uh, you can get a lot from the basketball market because that's where the most money is, the most people and everything. And that's, I think, just the best way to to understand it, but also don't look at it as the only way to understand it. You got to do your research with baseball, with football, with soccer, with hockey and understanding, you know, what markets are changing. Why? Because there's so much to it. It's not just as easy as Luca Prison PSA 10 is going up. So should Juan Soto. Correct. Pretty, pretty good way to put it, Nate. Yeah. I mean, I expect Juan Soto to go up. uh, Actually, Juan Soto's stayed pretty high. Let's go with Ronald Acuna. I expect Ronald Acuna, they're like $140 right now. I expect them to be like 180 by the time the season approaches. Yeah. Right? Type of thing. Sure. And you're seeing the same thing with, with uh, football. All right, yeah. basketball. Because mm-hmm. the season is approaching. All right. Basketball is king in the sports card hobby. This is kind of piggybacking off the last question from Drake Sports PC here. But it seems like number two is wide open. Which card market do you see? Taking that number two spot in 2021, soccer, baseball, something else. Nate, what do you got? I added this in in the in the uh, in the PowerPoint. It was supposed to slide in from the left after you were done with this, but I forgot that you don't actually do it's a, a PowerPoint. It's a PDF. Yeah. My bad. Uh, but no, I think baseball has always been number two, and I think it will continue to be number two as we're watching football and soccer go down. Um, Hey, hey, so- soccer is getting some legs back, by the way. Cards that weren't overbought are doing well, like Holland. PSA 10 is doing super well. Um, some of the other cards and sets and rarities are doing very well. But I agree, baseball still is on a much larger scale right now. Yeah. I'm just saying, I don't. I think that soccer is almost working better than football right now. Well, I would agree. I, I, yeah. I would not touch. I would not touch football. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Just not worth it unless you're touching it from the months of June to July to get in cheap and then selling it in August, September. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't think I don't know how much discussion we need around that. that. I just wanted to say baseball in big capital letters. (laughs) Felt good about that one. All right. Luke Green has been asking this question a little bit too much, a little spammy in that chat. Uh, So we'll answer it quick just so we can. Keep that spam down so others can discuss. Uh, who you got to be the face of the league? Luca, Trey, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Zion, or De'Aaron Fox? Well, I can say for sure not De'Aaron Fox. Uh, never on that Kings team. Uh, but face of the league, Giannis. It's all good, Luke. Giannis? Yeah, no worries. Giannis, Nate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got oh. Giannis. Um, if you're going to pick someone on that list that you gave, it's got to be Luca. I mean, Luca's everywhere during the season. For sure. Well, Luca has one thing on Giannis. What that he is he is in Dallas, which is a significantly bigger market than Yeah, he does. That is true. But Bucks are a better team, so there we go. All right. More Francisco Lindor talk this year or this live stream. Okay, if, did we talk about him before? Yeah, we did. We talked about his trade possibly and stuff and Mookie Betts' trade and stuff. Oh yeah. Remember hey, last remember all right, go ahead. <laughs> okay, anyways. If Francisco Lindor were traded to someone like the Mets, how do you think that would impact the price and demand for his Bowman first and rookie cards? Um, so his Bowman Chrome PSA 10s, I forgot to put a picture up here. They are like under $1,000, which is oh, shocking because you're looking at a guy who I took the last five years. He's only played five years. So in the last five years, if you take Fangraph's wins above replacement, he is very top of the list for all shortstops. Behind him, Manny Machado, but Manny Machado has played 80 more games. 
The only guy that would have a chance at catching him is Corey Seager, who's played 230 less games and is uh, about nine wins above replacement back. I don't think he does it in 230 games. That's not that's not two full seasons, and you would need you know four and a half wins a season to catch him um, at that point. I don't know if he does that, but it would be pretty close. But yeah, Francisco Lindor, clearly the best shortstop in the league the last couple of years. It's more of a defensive over offensive profile. His offense is really good. He's had 30 home runs three straight years before this 60-game season in which he hit eight. Um, but he's a defensive uh, propped up shortstop in which his offense is really good, but his defense is amazing. Defense tends to leave you sooner than offense. Um, so you could see that war go down a little bit by a little bit. And I would worry that if you would go to somebody like the Mets, the Indians have a big park, but the Mets have a really big park. You know, that power numbers might go down a little bit also. Um, so you have to, you have to, you know, balance the equation between going to a significantly bigger market compared to the Indians. Like the Indians market really depresses his value. If he was on a major team, that would be huge money, huge money compared to a guy who is, you know, an aging shortstop, only 27, but with the, with the way defense works, I don't know. Uh, it should, it will definitely, it would definitely prop it up in the short term, but I don't know how much I like it in the long term, specifically the Mets. I would prefer he went to somewhere uh, with a smaller park, maybe like the Phillies would be ideal. That'd be intense. Uh, do you know, do you know how much 2012 t- uh, Bowman Chrome Corey Seager out of PSA 10s are? I do not. Probably not. And there's not that many of them because I know people don't grade, didn't grade PSA 10 that much back then. Uh, do you also know how close in age Seager and Lindor are? I'd imagine pretty close. Uh, I think Corey Seager is like because because Seager was a 2012 Bowman Chrome Auto and Lindor was a 2011. Just curious 27. because you know, and Lindor is around there too. And Lindor is 27. Yeah, so interesting. He's, I mean, he could if he didn't get hurt a couple of those years, those stats would be looking really, really nice. Seager, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, this is a very quick one. Very quick question. Is it fair to expect a 10 grade on a card if the surface contains any dimples? No. If you have dimples on your sports on the surface of your Chrome cards, which means that there's a little pin-sized dot that is just on the surface of the card, uh, manufacturing, you know, damage. It's not something that you did or whatever the person before you. Um, it's just there. You're not going to get a 10 on that card. They greatly reduce the grades of the cards. I've had a 2014 Prism Giannis Silver in my collection that it does have a corner nick on the back, but there's like two surface dimples on the front and it got a seven. Um, so d- dimples really do hurt, hurt the card grade for sure. All right, Nate, another quick one, <laughs> Nate, thanks for the ding corners video reviewing the 2020 sets, which a lot of people enjoyed. I will say is you got like 40 some comments in that video, which is insane. Uh, can you do the same for 2018? Since that seems to have the best rookie class in the last several years. Uh, yes, I can. I'll do the same for 2019 because that is cheap and easy and, uh, video ideas, which is something I struggle to come up with. So this is, I put this in here to put a plea out there. If you have ideas for videos that you would like me to cover, DM me and ask me so that I can put these ideas down on a piece of paper. I'll probably forget some, lose somewhere and, uh, at least remember a couple of them to put out into videos because I had a very tough time during COVID coming up with ideas every week. And then I only had a 60 game season uh, to come up with in season ideas. And then it's right back to off season ideas for videos again. Ugh. All right. Kick down with some 
manufacturing science here that dimples are an air bubble from the manufacturing process that forms when heated. There we go. Enlightening us. Thank you. Um, and then also, if you are submitting questions in the live feed right now, we've got a lot of questions still to cover here. So if you click the link in the caption, you can submit your questions in the form for next week's video, and we'll try to hit on them. And thanks, everyone, for joining. Uh, if you're new here, we're just covering sports card questions, buying, selling, grading, collecting, investing, whatever you have questions about. We are running through them here. And hit that like button if you can. It helps us a ton. Uh, just kind of move your cursor Aaron. around the screen and hit that like. What's up, Nate? Quickly, Luke Green, what do you think of Pete Alonso? Bounce back here. Luke, if you go on to our YouTube, which is what you're on right now, and you go to the Slab Stocks page and you go down a couple videos, I did a Dinging Corners video on 2019 Series 2 compared to 2020 Series 1, and I cover Pete Alonso in that. So go check that out. Uh, I think you will enjoy it. Nice. Always plugging Nate's videos. Good deal. Oh, my. We got so much baseball in here. Crazy. Love it. Love it. This is what we've been waiting for. We had one of these one week where there was like zero baseball questions and it, it hurt my heart a little bit. So, Hey, for you basketball fans, there's some basketball coming back up, so don't worry. Which Tatis Jr. card is better for long-term investment? First Bowman Chrome PSA 10, Top Series 2 PSA 10, or Topps Chrome Refractor PSA 10? Um, I don't know why he didn't choose Topps Chrome PSA 10, but we went with Refractor anyways because that's what he requested. And it's actually kind of three different price points. Um, which you'll see on the next slide. So you have the regular Fernando Tatis, uh, 10,000 PSA 10s out of 15,000 total graded. You've got the refractor on the bottom there, which is 1,223 graded for 854 PSA 10s. And then over here at the top, you have the Bowman Chrome PSA 10, and that's 835 out of 2,232. So clearly the hardest one to grade is the, it's is, very, the first, is the first Bowman. Very um, hard to grade. Easiest one to grade is the Fernando Tatis, uh, just because there's a billion of them. The refractor might have a better hit rate, but there's way less. Okay, yep. Aaron, could you go to the next page? Yep. And then we have the prices, $155 shipped. I'm guessing it was $3 for shipping. I cut that off. Uh, for the top Series 2, $375 for the Topps Chrome Refractor and $540 for the Bowman First. So which is better for a long-term investment? I'd probably go with the Bowman first. I love Bowman firsts. Um, I could be wrong there. Short term, I still think it's the top series two. I think that has short term potential to make it up to, you know, two, 250 by midseason next year, uh, even with the 10,000 of them. So I think that that's a good short term flip, but long term, I love Bowman firsts. Yeah, the series two PSA 10 is definitely in the highest demand it's not the highest price but there's the most supply out there and uh definitely has the highest market cap of the three of these personally i love tops chrome refractors so that tops chrome is looking really nice for 375 especially compared to 155 for that series two which is a ton of um bowman chrome first is interesting because i remember like two years ago right when we were starting this nate i was like kind of getting on you know writing about those non-auto first bowman chrome cards because i had noticed that vlad guerrero jr before he got top rookies was just selling super well and i'm like oh is this a new market you know that people are going to enjoy and stuff and it didn't really happen for a long time but you know once the market has exploded once again uh, it definitely has i mean 540 dollars for a non-auto first bowman chrome psa 10 i do understand that there is you know a very hard time grading these cards 800 is so few for psa 10s if you look at ronald acuna 2017 first bowman chrome psa 10 nate covered it in a video where he's talking about mike trout bowman chrome and tops update 
uh, what was there? Maybe like 3,000 PSA 10s, 5,000 PSA 10s of the Ronald Acuna 2017 Bowman Chrome non-auto? Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, boy. All right, I just getting called and it comes through my computer. Not cool. Oh, <laughs> All right. Uh, well, there's around like three, th three, three to five thousand, and it's a little different because of the little pop. But you know, people do like these things, these non-autos from first Bowman Chrome. I think that the autos being so expensive definitely pulls it up as well. I just like the idea of it being his first card. You know, mm -hmm. I, I like. You know, I know it's not a rookie, but the fact that it's his first card, yeah, means a little bit more to me than. Yeah. Uh, anything else i agree i agree all right moving on are the mosaic rookies of jaw and zion undervalued compared to the other high-end brands prism select and optic mosaic seems to be right behind select in popularity but the rookies are much cheaper than prism and select so i like select the most uh just based off of the cards i think they're the coolest but prism no doubt is the biggest brand as you can see here 650 for zion psa 10 versus 185 for Mosaic PSA 10 versus 225 for a select PSA 10. Now select, there's three different levels of cards, which can definitely add into it not being, I would expect the select to be much more than the Mosaic, by the way. Like I was a little surprised. It was only like $50 difference between the select and the Mosaic Zion PSA 10 rookies, uh, concourse versus the normal Mosaic PSA 10. But uh, in terms of Mosaic itself, undervalued, probably not. Can it have its place in the market? Definitely. Can it build on its own brand and gain value over time? Definitely. But at the moment, I don't think it's undervalued. Um, I definitely think the Prism should be the most expensive. Select the next, Optic the next, and then maybe Mosaic, and then some other brands here and there. But uh, I think that Mosaic, this is the first year that had its own brand. Panini Mosaic in the past is Prism Mosaic. So there is definitely a lot more to like about its future potential and that it has retail product. That also means much more supply select there's only hobby less supply which is making select a better option i'd say but also retail can really expand the brand value and getting people excited about the cards as we've learned with prism uh, for sure as there's the most of it but also the most valuable all right for grading since bgs is harder to get a 10 and 9.5s are less valuable than psa 10s do you agree grading through psa is a better option as you would rather have psa 10 versus bgs 9.5 what about autograph cards through BGS versus PSA? So to attack the first question, yes, BGS 10 pristine is harder to get than a PSA 10, but also the probability of getting a BGS 10 pristine is extremely low. You're going to pay a lot of money for grading through BGS. Um, of course, that can happen too with PSA, depending on how valuable your card is. Uh, there's more to research on that and to talk about, but BGS 10 is very hard to get. PSA 10 is definitely hard to get, but easier than BGS 10s. And I just think that, you're going to waste your time. You're going to waste your money grading through BGS because if you get that 9.5, all that value just right out the window. Like you don't even – it's going to be so hard to even make up your money on the grading cost sometimes if you get a BGS 9.5 with some of these cards. Not with probably a Luca Auto that I use example here. But if you're checking out the autographs versus BGS and PSA, PSA 10 with the autograph 10 as well, which is not very common practice, by the way. If you are new to grading – PSA grading the autograph is not super common yet. There's a dual authentication service where they do both the card grading and the autograph grading, but it's not very standard. But people have it done, and it does bring some value. Now, it's hard to compare these two cards. Yes, they're sold five days apart. Market has gained a little steam over those last five days. So like the Luca 1010 might sell for more than the middle card there, which is the non-autograph graded card, which also sold for 6500 I do believe that the autograph grade on these PSA cards does 
increase the value on them, although it's not very common practice yet, especially. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. But on BGS, they like always grade the autograph card. So $4,350 right there, as you can see, for the 9.5 Luca Prism autograph. That is terrible value compared to the PSA 10 right next to it for 6500 Definitely go PSA. It doesn't even matter if you grade the autograph or not. Uh, it's going to be much better value than BGS with the graded auto. And hey, also, uh, I see, what's up? Go ahead. Yeah, you go. You go. I was just say I see a couple of people talking about PSA and the uh, private sale and everything. We will be. Just, I will be putting out a video, and also at the beginning, I covered it for a brief minute. But tomorrow, there's going to be a huge video that I'll be re re releasing on the subject for you to watch to learn some things. Um, bless and breaks. Isn't that Turner taking over PSA a bad thing? Card grades may experience favoritism, especially for his or his friends or business partner collections. Whoever is the CEO of PSA could have done the same thing or, you know, anybody along the way. The, yeah, grader, I don't... the individual grader that gets the card, you know, graders that get the cards in to have family and friends send the cards in. I'm sure they could work away where they get those cards into their hands to grade. So I think there's always been favoritism. I don't think it would just be anything new because one guy bought it. Or you mean there always could be favoritism? We don't know yeah, if there yeah. has been. I don't know if there has been. No, correct. Yeah, but there could potentially be. Uh, courtside, Dwayne and Dwayne and some people are talking about select right now. Courtside is definitely as courtside silvers are way more rare than prism silvers, and also courtside silvers or courtside base are also way more rare, rare than prism silvers too. I want to say so. Courtside is really like one of the rarest rookie cards out there from the big brands. All right, what are your thoughts on the timing of grading cards for less popular rookies who are cheap? Grade them now and have the slabs ready early to make more money or wait until they start to play well, at least to avoid wasting money. I think, Nate, I know you have thoughts on this because baseball is a pretty big area that this happens in because of so many breakouts like Christian Yelich a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you can capitalize huge on having the first couple graded cards of a player. happens in soccer. It happens in baseball a lot. Like Randy Rosarena, that happened with a ton. Christian Yelich happened with a lot. Uh, some other guys that happened with a lot. Basketball, so many people are slabbing so many rookie cards now. It really, you just got to slab it if you believe in it. But baseball, Nate, you want to talk about that because it's a much more bigger area, I'd say, that this happens in. Yeah. Uh, obviously, le way less of a risk when the cards were $8 to grade. You know, I don't mind grading um, Joe Blow from the Twins uh, for 8 bucks if I believe in him and grading a couple just to have them for. 32 bucks, you need to grade four of the cards. 32 bucks, you've got your PSA 10s. If they don't end up anything, you're out 32 bucks. Not the end of the world. Um, now that they're $17, you really better believe in this kid. Um, and, you know, you see major returns. Aaron brings up Randy Rosarina. Nobody would have seen what he did this year coming. Uh, literally nobody saw that coming. Um, and so if you're one of the people that is like, I actually really like him, I'm going to grade one or two of them for 17 bucks. And you get $200 out of the first sale, $300 out of the first sale, right? You're doing really well. But I don't know. It's just, it's it's really risky. It's it's a risk that I don't think I would take. Like if you're looking at Series 1 last year, Aaron, and say you're not Randy Rosarina because we already know how that went, and not Kyle Lewis because he did really well in his rookie season. Um, say somebody like Isan Diaz, right? Interesting mm -hmm. power hitting uh, second baseman for the Marlins. Um, if you believe in him, you know, you could grade one or two. And if he comes out hot for the Marlins next year and pops seven home runs in his first, you know, month, those cards are going to be a hot commodity because nobody else is grading them. But just the idea of spending $17 a card is just so 
Yeah, you better really, really like your player or really be okay with having that card graded if he doesn't pop off and you don't make money on it too. That's another aspect to it as well. Yeah. All right. More non-rookie talk here. Want to get your thoughts on what type of non-rookies to focus on for an investment perspective. For example, second year prism of greats and Hall of Fame players, but any other specific cards or brands like courtside field silver or field level silver color variations, you know, all the other ones. Uh, there are some really great looking cards out there, which makes the hobby interesting and fun, which is true. So many of these cards look awesome. These, you know, other players from different select sets and optic sets. I just put a couple up here that I like. Um, this doesn't mean that they're the only ones. There's so many cards out there to go and look for. And a couple of them he did mention. So first off, select courtside. I think if you grab select courtside from, you know, your favorite player or a player you really like that is yours priced out on for his rookie cards, a great way to go. Grade them, can do really well on them. Uh, as you can see, they're $900 for a select second year gold number 10 of Trey Young PSA 10, which sold about a week ago. And honestly, I think that this was a pretty good buy. I know that it's a second year card. I know many people would rather have a, you know, two prison rookies or whatnot. Well, not two now because they're like $700, but like a prison rookie PSA 10 and something else. But a very rare card here, very collectible, very, you know, good looking card there. And then also a Mojo number 25 from prison. The Mojo cards are really nice looking. PSA 10 here sold for 1600 about five days ago. And this is actually the same seller that sold the select gold. So they were really on it here. Uh, they, they knew what I liked. And then also another one I enjoy is uh, Optic Black Velocity and Pink Velocity. Mm, uh, num number 39 here, Donovan Mitchell is around $105 on September 10th for a second year. Optic Black Velocity, those are really nice looking cards. And you, know, you really can't go wrong with collectible, low-numbered, good looking parallels from the main brands. That's really just an overarching what I'd say for non-rookies. You want to get those main brands, low numbered or even numbered or even sometimes silvers if you can grade them. They sell well as PSA 10s, like trades like a $225 maybe silver PSA 10 for second year prism. But these these numbered cards are something else. I mean, look at the, how nice those are. I and love I those. I love those gold prism uh, field level. Oh, or so, con, so nice. Or, uh, court court side. Court side. <laughs> One field level. The same football. <laughs> football but I do yeah. love the football ones. Uh, field level. Yeah. Ones too. And, and I will say this: there are a lot of really nice inserts out there that are not from Prism Optic Select. These are clearly the top three basketball brands when it comes to not super high end cards. Um, obviously, they're high end, but I'm talking like they're not National Treasures, not Immaculate. Uh, but they are the top three brands. And there's so much out there from Core Kings, our super short prints, from Studio from a couple of years ago, downtown inserts. I mean, there's so many. And now those are out in Panini one and one or one and one, whatever they called it. Uh, they have downtown inserts now in those. In Noir, there's some really nice framed cards. Uh, there's so many really, really nice scarce cards out there that you can get for second year cards, for rookie cards, for whatever you want that I think are just so collectible and so awesome. Of course, it's so nice to have those prison PSA nines and tens that sell almost instantly when you list them. And uh, you know, you, so many people want to buy those, invest in them, trade them, all that stuff. But some of these cards are really nice to hold on to, collectibles and long term holds and whatnot. And they're they're, just, they're great cards. Can I just say that I don't like how they move their short prints around or their case hits around? So, oh, yeah. Well, the downtown right is now a Panini one one and one product. The Kaboom. I never know what what product kaboom short prints come out of so here's um, the issue the issue is, is that they started releasing a bunch of products that didn't stick over time so downtown first came out in i want to say panini studio 
which did not last. And then they also came out in Cornerstones, which now has not lasted this year. It was last year's in Cornerstones. This year, it's not there. They also released Kaboom in Excalibur. And, geez, I'm starting to forget now. There's, like you said, so many different ways. They listened through Instant, through Crown Royale, through, oh, there's another one there in 2016 that I'm probably forgetting. But there's a lot. Oh, and is the first one was like Innovation in 2012. There's just so many different sets that didn't stick over time, which stinks that, like you said, it's hard to really, like everyone can say, I'm buying my Prism Silver every single year. But you can't always say I'm buying my something kaboom every single year. Like, what kaboom are you buying? Like, there's so many different kabooms. But I, I do think that you're right. You know, it's hard to keep an insert sticking when it does that. But at least people can collect that insert as long as they keep the same name. Like downtown is super collectible across the. So do they not have optic downtowns for basketball then? Just football. They never, they, they never did a single optic downtown release. So then that's another thing. They throw optic downtown into football. They never did that for basketball. Yeah. See, that's it's, what I don't like is it's hard to it's I know baseball back and forth, baseball cards backwards and forwards. And I know a little bit about football because I do them for the links every day. But like basketball is just. And then for Color Blast, which is now one of the top Panini inserts, it was Spectra. It was heck Prism EPL for soccer. It started in like Prism draft picks for basketball. <laughs> like that's all over the place, too. But still, I mean, amazing. Blast is sweet, though. They, uh, they're amazing. I mean, I also have a Jonathan Taylor color blast, which is one of my favorite cards. PSA 10, by the way. Huge Jonathan player. Taylor. Some say the next Monte Ball. Some say the best Wisconsin running back ever, which is true. And also <laughs> either, the next either, Monte Ball in the NFL. See, here's the thing. If you like collecting cards like myself, I don't care. I mean, I want him to be amazing, but I still love these cards, even if he did flop in the NFL. But still, I hope he does amazing. Uh, you know, rookie year doesn't always work out for running backs. Let's keep that in mind. Melvin and Gordon was terrible as rookie year. Went on to be a pro bowler years later. But obviously. And then went, went on to get released by the Chargers instead of them paying him. So Yeah, he should have stayed there. That's where his career was. Or but, not released. Well, he just but didn't sign. just didn't sign. Moved on. All right, next one. You did a great video a couple months. Oh, also, I see a lot of people saying hello. What's up, guys? Steve, I see you say hello. How's it going? And also, thanks, everyone, for adding into the chat. Definitely. Get your comments rolling with each other to interact and to learn more about sports cards as we talk up here as well. You did a great job on a video a couple of months ago talking about sets and parallels in the last six months. Have you seen major changes in demand, specifically with Prism? Um, I really have not. Base still valuable when the market is there, when the demand is there. Silver still valuable. Numbered parallels still the most expensive from the hobby releases. It's all kind of sticking the same. Uh, but could you explain how you view fast break versus ice parallels? So sure, I will. Um, I will say that blue ice and purple ice numbered on 99 for blue ice numbered on 149 for purple ice. Those are massive. Those are from the hobby release from 2018 prism from the hobby release in 2019 prism. And they're huge cards. As you can see the Trey young ice blue ice numbered on 99 PSA 10, $12,000, just a massive card. It sold recently in the last two, three days, fast break an offshoot set. That was a different product configuration, still valuable because prism, Numbered Prism anything is valuable, but not as valuable. And they definitely are behind. They are way behind what blue ice and purple ice are. Uh, they are not even close. But I think that a lot of you understand that. I think the person that even asked the question probably understands that. because And also the fast break number 175 PSA 10 sold for 3200 I think the question is more geared towards this. The non-numbered ice parallels and then the fast break silver. Because 
there's no numberings. It's hard to really compare and understand and everything. And the, the red ice came out of mega boxes. It didn't come out of hobby, which is so important. I talk about all the time. Hobby boxes, hobby numbered are so important for Prism. But red ice came out of mega boxes, which was retail. And red ice, I actually think, look awesome. All the ice do. Uh, they kind of overdid it this year with orange ice also. And then they had pink ice and whatnot. But there's a lot of demand. So I guess I get it. Green ice from Fanatics. But if you're looking at these two cards, the red ice sold for 1825 PSA 10. There's 135 PSA 10s out of 207 graded. The break silver sold for $1,300 recently. And there's 64 PSA 10s out of 147 graded. I would venture to guess in that five-day period between the 23rd and 28th that the silver fast break PSA 10 would sell for higher and it'd be closer to that uh, purple ice or the, the red ice PSA 10 right there. So it probably is a little closer in value. There's over double the amount of red ice PSA 10s, but I think I go with the red ice because I think that retail prism holds more weight for people than fast break. I just don't know if fast break is ever going to be, it's always going to be viewed as like, you know, the the not as good prism in my mind. I just don't think it's going to ever be up there. I do think that they're still valuable. I do still think you can make money on them. But when we try to make these debates, we try to pick between two cards, I'm going Red Ice PSA 10. And I know it's a little bit more expensive, probably only by a couple hundred dollars more, but I'm, it looks much better. Like that looks awesome with the tray and the red jersey black or black jersey red parallel. And uh, Ziggy, appreciate you trying to get people to hit that, that thumbs up button, that like button. I really appreciate you guys watching and viewing and, and liking the video as well. It helps us out a ton. Yes, it does. All right, Nay, I figure you got nothing to say in what I just talked about. So we'll, I have on. legitimately nothing to add. All right, that's good. Oh, Ruby Wave. I, I want to touch on this quick. Uh, Kizo came in and asked about Ruby Wave. I value Ruby, Ruby Wave even higher than both of these because that is from Hobby. You can only pull a Ruby Wave out of Hobby boxes, which are like 4500 bucks for 2018 Prism Basketball Hobby. Those are definitely better than these. And I think they're really good cards. Anything on the hobby box, hypers, ruby waves, the numbered, all that stuff is awesome. Doobie. Up, Doobie's in the house. What's up? We did start a little early today. So we are on the latter half of this live stream. Oh, gosh. We got more basketball here. All right. Can you compare the different variations of the 2003 LeBron tops number 221 card, such as the first edition, black border, collection, and gold? And I'm going to say right now, I actually think that collection and gold are the same thing. I'll show you in a little bit. Uh, but maybe compare prices and pop reports. So that's exactly what we'll do from RP8 cards. Thanks for the question. So on the left, we have a LeBron PSA 10 base from Topps Rookie. Not the Chrome. It's the base in the, obviously, his draft day suit. $4,300 for that card now. On the right side, we have the first edition. If you see the little logo, which is in the top left corner of the card, it kind of blends in because it's the same it's like gray just as the backdrop. Um, that card is $2,600 for the PSA 9, that is. But there's way less of those, and we'll cover that in the pop report next. Um, the black border, these are numbered out of 500, I want to say. I know I cut off the eBay listing, so I can't really see, but memory serves me right. It's 500. 19,000 for a PSA 9. And you'll see in a little bit why that's so expensive. But 19,000 for the PSA 9 black border, super tough to grade. There's only four of them, if you can see it there. And then the Topps Collection is kind of a variation factory set card, I want to say. And you can see it's a different picture. He's playing in the Summer League there. And it's got gold foil where there's normally silver. So where it says draft pick number one, it has the Topps logo and the Cavs logo. That's all gold foiled. And that's sold for $800 as a PSA 9. So if you look at the pop report now, 
At the very bottom, it says gold. The second row says collection. I'm pretty sure that for a while they were marking the collection cards as gold, and then they stopped that, and then they started marking them as collection. So I do not think that there is a Topps 221 gold and a Topps 221 collection. The card on the right side there actually is the gold and the collection. So pop reports are really combined on that, I think. And the black border has 010. So that $19,000 price tag for the PSA 9, not a single 10 out there. So it makes sense. There's four nines. Uh, insane, insane card, insanely high end card. It's the most, the rarest uh, tops number 221 LeBron card. That's actually the best possible card you can get if you're trying to buy a LeBron number 221 from 2003 tops. Was that Blackboard PSA 9? There is first edition PSA 10s. I'd venture to guess that they wouldn't be as expensive as that Blackboard or PSA 9. And then also, there's a crazy amount of graded 221 base cards. So I guess if we're trying to draw conclusions off of this, Blackboard super rare. Serial numbered off 500. First edition, very rare as well. Only 340 graded compared to the 7,000 plus graded of the base. And if it were me, I'd be buying the PSA 9 first edition all day, every day over the PSA 10 base. That's pretty much what I'm taking away from this discussion because the black's so expensive. It's very expensive. Not many people can afford that. But if you're And even these two. But if you're choosing between the first edition and the PSA 10, I'm going to the PSA 9. And then the collection card is kind of interesting because there's really not that many graded either. But it's not really the – I don't really treat it as a 221 pack pulled card. I think it's a factory set card, and I would rather have the first edition than the PSA 9 collection card. And that's my TED Talk on 221 Tops LeBron. All right. Nate, sorry. I guess we front-loaded the baseball in this presentation. I, I feel like it's been, for, it's been forever since you talked. Uh, if you have anything to talk to anyone in the comments, feel free to, to jump in whenever you want to. Okay. But uh, really quick. Besides Prism, Optic, and Select, what is the next brand up? So I am taking this from the standpoint that the next brand up is a slew of brands. I don't think that we really have one right now that is like number four. And I'm excluding National Treasures. I'm excluding Contenders on Card Autographs. I'm excluding Immaculate. Actually, no, I'm not because it's on the screen. I'm just excluding NT because the RPAs are so darn expensive. And everyone knows that those are the top most expensive cards for basketball cards. And some Prism Golds and stuff, of course. But I think cards like Sneaker Spotlight, cards like Immaculate RPAs number 99, you know, cards like those from other sets too, um, from wherever you want in the basketball card space, downtown inserts, uh, kabooms, any of those things that just stick with people. I think that's like the next thing up. But if we're looking more at like what is similar to Prism Optic than Select, that could be like a next brand up. I think this year we're going to see a huge push for hoops because of the fact that hoops will be coming out in January. There's going to be a ton of people that want to get their hands on NBA Jersey 2020-2021 NBA rookie cards because all they have right now is Prism draft picks, Contenders draft picks, and those are all in college jerseys and international jerseys. But hoops will have the NBA jerseys, and they have some amazing-looking cards. Teal Explosions are sweet-looking of the Jason Tatum. Uh, those are awesome. <laughs> and then on the right side is the Bam Adebayo hollow or silver numbered out of 199. So really, really cool card right there too, and rare, and it sells for decent amount of value. Actually, you know, not that much compared to other cards out there, which is kind of crazy. But another thing that released now is the Hoops Premium Stock this year for 2019-2020. It's released on Target.com for $150. They're flipping on eBay for $315 as sealed sets. Each set comes with one card of each player, and they all look like a Pulsar design. And this is huge. I think this is really, really big for hoops because this kind of gives them like a prism feel 
or like an optic feel or something. And it's hoops and it's awesome. And that John Morant card on the left is the true rookie, it seems, from the premium, I want to say, because the right one looks like a tribute insert. But the one on the left has got to be one of the best looking John Morant rookie cards of the year. And I think when you think about what set can be like Prism, can be like Optic, can be like Select, you have to think about sets that people can grade. Sets that have cards that can grade, get PSA 9s, get PSA 10s, because so much of the market is driven off of grading, people getting value out of getting 9s, people getting value out of getting 10s. And it's very important, I think, to sets being big sets. Because if you think about you know, Immaculate and Noir and National Treasures, how many people can actually get their hands on the cards? And how many people can grade the cards and distribute these at high amounts, can really spread the brand's recognition? It's just not that easy for a high-end set because the majority of people can't buy it. But they can buy hoops. And, you know, they might not be able to get the packs in stores, but it's an investable card for people that want to scoop singles. And Dwayne just commented, what about Revolution? They're nice parallels. I totally should put that in there too. Um, if you all follow the Slapstacks email, anything like that, some live streams I've done in the past, I love Revolution. It's one of my favorite sets of all time. It does have some of the nicest parallels ever produced. The Galactics, the Sunbursts, all that stuff, just amazing. But yes, these these cards are going to be nice. Nate, any thoughts on any, any of this? Um, I was going to bring up the revolution if you didn't uh, talk about it in that I, wa- uh, you know, I worked in the shop while Prism Hoops uh, Revolution, everything like that was out and being sold. Hoops took forever to sell. Revolution sold out every single time it came in the shop because people are always going for that Zion Galactic, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's my only experience with it. Uh, but just from that, it seems like Revolution was a much hotter product product and uh it was 135 dollars a box at the time compared to hoops is like 80 dollars a box and people were still going for it so i i think that i think that revolution's got some of the best looking cards in the market today and even like chinese new year which was such a is a cheap release because you can't pull autographs out of them those chinese new year golds number eight are so cool looking even the normal the reds are really cool looking really low pop report too um, so there's a lot to like about Revolution, and uh, I, if you don't have any singles from that set, I'd recommend maybe picking some up. Um, and also, I do really like Mosaic as well. And I think that Mosaic has a really great long-term prospect as a as a brand in the basketball space. Um, personally, I like Revolution. The look of the cards more when it comes to investing, you know, buying and selling. What you want to do, I think it's up for debate between Hoops, Mosaic, and Revolution on what can be that brand behind. Prism Optic and Select, because I think we all know Prism Optic Select are one, two, three, however you want to slice it up. Prism always number one. It's very hard to debate, but I think Select is, select is two, Optic is three, or two A and two B even. Uh, Kickdown says you can pull autos out of Chinese New Year. At the shop, I was told differently, not just by Aaron, but people at the shop that you cannot pull. We had like 2017, 2018 Chinese New Year, so maybe it's a different thing now. But I actually think that they switched it in 2018 because in 2017, I didn't think you could. I think in 2018, there were sticker autographs of Luca. They were numbered out of 77. Okay. And he just said, kicked down and said, look up Luca CNY auto. And pretty much what I was saying, I think that their sticker autos numbered out of the player's jersey. That's what I, I, I want to say. I've seen them on eBay and such. Uh, some more basketball, but I think that they can probably add into this too. Uh, with basketball prices already going up, do you think it's still a good time to buy stars like Zion, Trey, Luca, and Ja? We are currently sitting less than a month away from the NBA season returning. Prices for the bubble. Now, the bubble was very short. Teams got kicked out. Prices went down. We all know what happened there. 
Um, prices for the bubble kept on rising into playing games for the first couple of rounds. And I think they were definitely going to see a big push over this next month into the NBA season. And after that, and even it could continue through the season because of how many people are in the market today. Last year was a little bit different because we saw a very big wave come at the beginning of the season. I think that we kind of sat in a little, you know, lull between January and maybe February to March and then COVID hit. And then that's really when it exploded. This year is way different. So many more people in the market. You know, I think that we could probably see the market sustain at least high prices. Now, if players play badly, they're, they're going to go down just like the bubble. If players get hurt, their prices will go down. But I still think that there's time right now between now and the start of the season beginning that there's still opportunity to buy a lot of these guys and a lot of different cards. And maybe it's not that prison-based PSA 10, but find something else that might be undervalued. Yeah. Nate, we got a question for you there. Buy, sell, hold, one or Franco from the oh. card collector. Um, well, definitely hold. I know his prices are ex- extremely expensive. So if you happen to have any Wander Francos, even if non-autos, just Bowman Chrome firsts, hold on to those bad boys. Definitely don't sell. Buy, it depends on how much money you have. Uh, it's obviously a very tough ask to be like, hey, go spend $40 on a Bowman Chrome first non-auto, non-graded that's probably been picked over or significantly more, $150 for a PSA 10 or, you know, a thousand plus dollars for a great, uh, an auto from Wander Franco. So buying depends on how you're doing financially. But if you have it, I would definitely buy. And if you have them, definitely hold. Do not sell. Nice. All right. Two more questions left. What are some nice looking Kobe cards you guys would suggest buying? Looking to add it into my personal collection. So normally I don't really like pointing people in certain directions. I think that so many people need to make up their mind for themselves when it comes to collecting cards. But it sounds like they're just asking for my opinion. And honestly, I have a very strong opinion about Kobe collecting because I have a few myself that I absolutely love. Um, the middle one is from 1996 Skybox EX 2000, and it is the Stardate 2000 card. It's one of the best looking Kobe cards, rookie cards out there. Honestly, it's probably my absolute favorite. And I had the chance to buy this card. I remember staring down last April or March, a $600 buy it now. $600 buy it now for that Kobe Stardate 2000 or 2000 PSA 10. This card right now is worth over $7,000, and I passed it for $600. And Ooh. that is definitely one of my biggest regrets in buying cards now. I like to always think that whatever I don't do, I learn from and can fix in the future, which has also happened a lot in the past. I've learned from my mistakes. But that one kind of hurts because I probably won't get that card ever, maybe hopefully in the future sometime. But uh, awesome card. Awesome, awesome card. Pop report's pretty low on it. I wish I pulled the trigger on that one for sure. The left one is probably my top two, one of my top two favorite Kobe autographs of all time. Noir is one of my favorite sets of all time. And this spotlight signature is so awesome. The only one I actually like more than that is the 2018 sneaker spotlight of Kobe, numbered out of 49. And it is a insanely expensive card. It was expensive pre his death, and it is even more expensive now. And it rarely ever comes available. I would not be surprised if that card is going for you know 15k plus in the future i think it was 5k plus before he died um i it's it's an insane card for sure and i love that one on the left the spotlight signature the one on the right i actually own the tops chrome 2008 refractor kobe take it for a grain of salt because i do own it and i do really love the card but it features lebron it features kobe it's a tops chrome refractor it's a psa 10 it's low pop um one of my it's probably my, my favorite card honestly it's it's amazing i had to have it 
for sure. And it's it's awesome. I love the, just seeing LeBron and Kobe going at it on the card. It's got to be one of the top tops Chrome non rookie cards ever made. I would not be surprised. Um, quick jumping over to the watch McCall uh, the comment section because I have uh, the ability to answer one of these questions on um, <laughs> baseball. Why is Tim Anderson so disrespected? World Series hopeful team, few batting titles, growing popularity. Also, uh, one thing about the World Series hopeful team is that they now have Tony Larusa managing. Old guy does not personality does not mesh with the fun personalities on the White Sox. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. As for Tim Anderson, I could not tell you why. Um, maybe it's because his breakout season was an 865 OPS instead of like he went from a 600, uh, 680 OPS to 860 OPS, which is a really good breakout. Led the league in uh, hitting um, 20 home runs. You know, he's got the power defensive shortstop. He's got everything you'd want. I think maybe it's just, I don't know, people were, it was so unexpected and it's just not flashy enough. It's not Christian Yelich breaking out from a good player to a MVP and having a thousand OPS, it's an 865 OPS. And the White Sox have a lot of guys, Yuan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez, um, uh, Luis Robert, you know, guys like that, young guys that kind of take the shine. But I would agree, Tim Anderson is majorly, majorly disrespected in the hobby for how good of a player he is. Uh, wins the batting title two years ago, competed for the batting title this past year. Uh, you know, 20 home run pop out of shortstop. It doesn't grow on trees, and yet here we are. Not that valuable. Thank you, everyone who is watching currently. This is most live viewers we've had in a YouTube live stream. We really appreciate it, and thank you for hitting that like button if you have it also helps get more people in here and helps our channel grow. So please hit that subscribe button too if you're new here and come back next week for next week's Monday YouTube Live. We're not done here yet though. Just want to say it, that we do it every week at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Today was 30 minutes early. I know a couple of you were a little upset about that. Well, we, really went, just... we went 30 minutes early because there's so many questions, but we kind of like booked through these questions a little bit faster than expected. We did. Yeah, that is why we did go early, but we have been flying here. Um, there is maybe something I want to pick up from the live chat. Oh, it was uh, so Neil. Neil says he picked up a 1996-97 Kobe Finest Refractor PSA 8 for $278 after he retired. And it's his only Kobe. Okay, think about when Kobe retired in 2016. Think about what happened this past year with Kobe cards. And what happened in the past four years of basketball cards. That is an insane card. Finest Refractor rookies are huge. Congrats on that. That's a really awesome buy. All right, moving on to the last one here. This one's loaded. It's it's a huge one from that T206 guy. I saw you hanging in this chat, all this live stream, all hour and 18 minutes. So we really got to cover this one here and do our guy well because he's been supporting. He's been helping us get more viewers in here. We really appreciate that. This is huge. Nate, do you want to read this line by line and we'll go through and talk about it? Well, okay. So the, the first line is the question. The second lines are his thoughts on the question true, that true, that's was, right. good to, was good to add in and so then we can we can discuss so the first thing is what are your thoughts on selling cards before christmas time that's the question personally i think it is a bad idea because players are not playing yet and i feel you are leaving money on the table by selling too early as players will skyrockets once they start playing um unless this is football but on the flip side, people are buying Christmas presents. They might buy cards on eBay for presents. I personally got a card for my birthday from my brother uh, last month as a present. So it, it is done. What do you uh, get? People, uh, that, that Charlie 
Charlie Day. Uh, oh, that's right. Alan yeah. Gitterado. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our Charlie yeah, Kelly from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, for those of you that have seen that. People are also getting money and gift cards too, which they will spend on cards. Correct. eBay cards, money, money, you know, cash money, which is, uh, if, especially if you're a poor high school kid, college kid, yeah. you get $100 from your grandparents that you can sink into some baseball cards that you can turn into $200 in April. Big. Uh, the issue it presents are bought before, the issue is presents are bought before Christmas. Maybe a good idea for generic stuff like sealed boxes that would be easier to shop for rather than a specific card or specific player that buyers won't know anything about. I feel that individual cards would be better after the holidays, though, when people have money in hand and know what they want. Either way, I still feel you are leaving money on the table with either of these strategies, but I don't have experience selling at this time, so maybe I'm totally wrong on this. What are your thoughts for selling before both before Christmas, during the month of December, and right after the holidays, as opposed to waiting for players to start putting up stats? I'll take this from a basketball perspective, Nate. If you want to add in other thoughts on baseball, football, whatnot, go ahead. But okay. My early thoughts are it's impossible to tell right now because I know I said it earlier, but we've never had a season, basketball season, start on December 22nd. Actually, that lockout season probably started around there. But my point is is that this year is just so different than so many other years, and the basketball market has been very hot recently, very hot. And I hope that you guys have watched our content, have engaged with our content, have watched our live streams on Instagram, here on YouTube, because for two months – you know, we've been talking about a lot about needing to look at basketball when football and Pokemon were going crazy. Um, first edition Pokemon was going crazy. Football was going crazy. Trying to get people to focus on basketball because of that's where the money was leaving. Um, very good idea to buy it over these last two months, and now it's doing very well. Do I think that Christmas time will affect the market where people either aren't spending as much money or people are spending more money because they're getting money to spend? It's it's almost impossible to say. I don't want to try to go one way or another because I can't really predict what people would do. Um, on one side of me, people are definitely spending money on gifts. People definitely have less money to spend on cards. But there's also those people out there that have so much money that they're constantly buying cards. And I think as we've seen, those people drive the market a ton. And I don't know if it's really going to change a whole lot. And people that want to be involved in the market still will still be involved in the market and still buying cards and whatnot. Um Gosh, I don't know because you know when you're saying leaving money on the table with some different strategies, like I don't think that there's any problem with selling over these next 20 days and looking at how you made a ton of profit on some basketball cards. And even if you think that they can go higher in the future, you know it's never wrong to take profit. And I think that either way you're going to do well. And I think holding into the season, yeah, there's definitely going to be guys that go off. Trey might drop 40. He might go up to. Heck, $1,200 for a PSA 10 prison-based rookie, and then you're upset. But uh, there's so much variance, and Trey might get hurt, and then they're worth $300. So either way, if you're in a spot where you're comfortable with your profit, I'd say sell some, hold some, buy some more. You know, you just got to really think about what you're doing and not go all one way or all another way. I think that's the best way to, to phrase it. I also think there's possibility, and this is just from personal experience, that when I'm in a spending money mood, like buying presents, right? I might end up buying something for myself here and there because I'm in a spending money mood and I don't really look at the money. So you're buying presents, you buy a couple cards for yourself, you've paid for your holiday meals, you've paid for your New Year's champagne and uh, lobster tail or whatever. And then you get into the new year and you check your bank account and you realize that you spent $3,000 in the course of like two weeks. 
and you say to yourself, oh, I'm not going to be buying cards. Whereas two weeks earlier, when you're just not caring about how much money you're spending, the sweet spot for uh, wasting that money, um, that's at least the way my mind kind of works. And I know other people are different, but I definitely do think there is some value to selling before Christmas. I think so too. And I, it's just, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, I don't think any of us can sit here and say, no, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a case by case basis. Yeah. So like, I, I just think that you just got to think about what, what's best for yourself and in your position, you know, do you need to sell some profit to get some presents and you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. But um, speaking of which, always... I should be selling some cards to pay for the presents. I just bought, <laughs> finished all my present shopping did a couple more major purchases that you know about, Aaron, and uh, I could use some money. <laughs> You're a little dry right now. I, I don't. Yeah, I haven't done. I bought my brother's Christmas gift, but that's it. So I definitely need to visit the Christmas shopping category of these next two weeks. Um, but yeah, I guess that, that's the last question here. Thirty-two out of thirty-two on the slideshow. You guys see that? Uh, this was a good one. This was really fun. You guys really, really put on in the chat. Uh, we had a lot of discussion. Most viewers yet, so we appreciate. You all for that. Next Monday, not bad. Maybe that's like one ninety five, two hundred. Hey, yeah, tell your friends if you got uh, card friends. If you got not card friends, tell your friends to jump in Mondays at six p.m. Eastern time. We'll stick to that time. And if nothing else, tell your friends to jump in. You can tune us out completely, and you can just carry on your chat on the side with a bunch of other collectors from I don't know Idaho and uh, Indiana and Illinois, Australia, Australia and Singapore and whatever. A good way to meet people and get other people's opinions, even if you don't want to listen to our terrible voices. Yep, for sure. And if you have a question for next week's live stream, hop down in the caption of this video. There's a link that takes you right to the Google form to submit a question for next week's live. And that's all I got. Nate, thanks for joining cool. me. It's uh, another great time. Zach Jacobs says, just got to get more soccer talk in there. Aaron, this is on you because you know how I th- what I think about soccer. So that that is on me. Y'all might need to submit a, a good soccer question for us to pull up next time and we'll uh, we'll we'll hash it out or at least I will cuz Nate will have nothing to contribute. So hey, look at that. Michael Brown, I didn't, he didn't chat this entire time and tosses in a $5 super chat at the very end. Take advantage Take of PayPal's, advantage payment. PayPal's paying for payment plan. I did see that all over Amazon. It was like, "Hey, you want to buy this like $15 Nerf gun? Pay three pay four payments of $4 or like $3.90." I'm like, "Uh I'll just pay the 15. Thank you. Hey, hey, Neil Hall, you said your friends think you're crazy for buying cards. You should tell them to go follow Slab Stocks and Instagram. They can see how much they're missing out on because of how crazy the sports card market is. What a bunch of wimps got to come and get in that sports card market. (laughs) Just kidding. Your friends are probably great people. (laughs) All right. I don't know. If you're not in the sports card market, I think you're probably a bum. That's what I hear. I hear many people say that. My parents, bums. (laughs) <laughs> my one brother a bum my other brother not a bum so. <laughs> crazy crazy all there is to it all right well ooh, look at that goonie thank you so much ooh. for that ten dollars wow it's super nice of you yeah we'll uh we'll keep answering your questions we keep throwing them in, the, in that question uh submission we'll uh yeah we got we got a little time here so if anybody wants to ask questions on hey, the side here. actually sure we, we got three minutes let's cut off at one hour and 30 minutes three minutes if you have a question, put it in the live stream, and we will try to answer it here over the next three minutes. We'll do a rapid fire. Let's and see if what not, we got. if not, then no, uh, they're typing right now. They're typing right now. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Faith, you have faith. I got I like faith. It. I got faith. I'm waiting. I like Here's this question, Matt. I turned 15k into 60k. 
my wife stopped questioning my buying cards. I, a couple years ago, I told my brother to buy a first off the line prison box. And he, uh, his wife was very concerned that he spent $750 on it. And he turned that into like $2,500. And then she wasn't concerned anymore. All right. We got some questions here. Nice. Let's I see it. so many people in these card breaks are spending $1,000 plus a day. How are they doing? Do they just have that money or are they maximizing their cards? It's crazy. Wish I had that money. Uh, D Nation, don't worry. Plenty of people out there do not have the money to be spending $1,000 a day through box breaking. There are so many people out there. That cannot... Plenty of people that can't spend $1,000 a year on box breaking. Yeah, I mean, anything like that. So don't worry about that. Always make the smartest buy for yourself, which is not box breaking, especially if you're on a budget because you can lose a lot of money doing that. Uh, make mm -hmm. smart buys in the card market. Definitely go and um, figure out, you know, the, just the best way to to do it that's not box breaking because it's so risky. But we need we have more questions here. So uh, Ro Rocco, or Rocco, how will Giannis' decision impact his cards? I think either way they'll go up. Signs a max extension, shows loyalty, builds the biggest empire in Milwaukee that there's ever been for Milwaukee sports team. Uh, I think that they go up. Goes to a different team next year that is probably a bigger market than Milwaukee. I can almost guarantee it. Probably go up as well. But I think he's going to stay in Milwaukee. I really want him to. So we really, really need that. All right, what else we got here? Nate, you pick one out. Um, the card collector, Slab Sox, thoughts on Kobe White with a new coach. I think he's about to have a breakout season. Uh, yeah, new coach, new GM in Chicago is always exciting. Um, but I was listening to a podcast the other week, and you should DM Slab Sox Sam for more information on this because he knows more than me. But I was listening to a podcast, and there's fears around the league that he is just a bench guy a bench, a, a six-man type of guy, I think uh, Dennis Schroeder. So if that's the case, would you invest in Dennis Schroeder? I wouldn't. I'll tell you what. I would not be buying Kobe White Silver PSA 10s for $700-plus. I cannot believe R.J. Barrett, Kobe White, Cam Rash are all $500-plus. How crazy is that? That is that is, that is is like lighting your money on fire for me. There's so oh, many guys I'd rather buy. I agree. Here's an easy one from Angel Corrado too. Is Logo Man NBA patch rookie one of one a top tier item? It is the toppest tier item. That mm -hmm. is an easy one. The the top tierest item. The most sought after card in the history of the world will always be yeah. the uh, Logo, Logo Man, Man one of one patch auto. One hundred percent. Do you guys use the market cap method? I think it's a great way to determine why base PSA tens are so you know so high in value that like you can compare them to other cards and say this card is higher demand because the market cap's higher than a than maybe a refractor PSA 10 or something. We talked about earlier in this video, but I don't think that's like a be all end all type of thing. I do think that's useful though to to just understand how the market works why it does. Dexflow says Aaron Nate, can you do both do a Jersey Shore fist pump for us? I've ne not watched Jersey I've Shore. Watched Jersey Shore. I've never I wanted to side. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. I was about to be like please Nate, don't know what this is. So I don't look stupid. <laughs> Uh, we could we could do like a Rocky montage where we run up the steps somewhere and then. Uh... Oh, we should do that. We should also get Sam Dunks attempting to dunk on yeah, camera. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm All right, for that. Hour thirty. We, we are okay. If you guys submit a question here, please submit it through the question feature in the caption, the form, Google form. Type in your question, submit it. It is for next week. We will try to get it into this presentation like we did today. Thank you, everyone, for watching, for adding your comments, for adding in your questions, for interacting with each other. For the two of you to donate $15, that was awesome. Hey. Every little bit helps us out. And uh, Nate, thanks for joining me. It was a heck of a time. And next week, 6 p.m. Eastern time on Monday is the next one. It was a fun time. Thanks so much, Nate. Yep. See you guys. See you.